Welcome to the Fuji X Australia podcast. Brought to you by the Fuji X Oz Facebook group. Now here's your host, Joe Jong. Welcome back, guys. Uh, it's been a long, long time since our last episode, so I do apologize for that. Uh, everyone's been extremely busy, uh, you know, with the whole XE3 launch and uh, a lot of events happening around uh, various cities. So I do apologize for that. So anyway, we've got an exciting uh, episode uh, coming uh, to you today. We're going to be talking about the XE3. So it's new, it's fresh, it's on everyone's uh, minds at the moment. It's, uh, it's a hot topic in the... Uh, Fuji X Oz group. So we're going to be talking a little, little bit about that. But before I get into that, we've got some special guests with us. So as always, we've got Ian Tan from Melbourne. We've also now got Charlie Blevins from the Sydney crew, Hooray! as well as our one and only Greg Cromie. Yes! Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. So uh, this is uh, both Greg's and Charlie's first time on the podcast, so we're uh, excited to have them on us and, and, and join us in this uh, episode. Hopefully, we'll have them uh, join us in other future segments as well. So, what we're going to do is we're going to kick things off, but before we do, we're going to just give a quick shout out to let everyone know that Fuji XOS has turned three, and uh, it's come a long way. So, in two, back in 2015, uh, at the start of October, uh, both uh, Antonio and I. We decided to uh, start a group, and uh, who would have thought that it would actually uh, come this far? And we're almost uh, almost at the two thousand member mark, so we're probably about two hundred uh, members shy. So it's it's a great feat. So it's it's come a long way, and, and I'm really stoked. And uh, we would like to hear, you know, uh, from the community what uh, we should do to celebrate. You know, whether it be a competition, a, an event, any ideas to celebrate. So if you guys have any ideas. Definitely uh, let us know, post it on the uh, Facebook group, flick us an email at fujixoz at gmail.com or simply just use the anchor voice message function. All right. So, XT for you guys. So, I understand that everyone here has at least used it or got their hands on one already. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, first impressions, first impressions. Charlie, you're, you've had it for a little bit uh, as a line unit. What, what's your first impressions on the, uh, on, on the new camera? Yeah, it's quite good because, you know, originally comparing it to the XC2, like the first couple of days, you know, when I gave it a go, the first impression I had was the autofocus. And um, I mean, you could go to any blog or you could go on our Facebook group. It's the first thing that most people would say is a difference maker. And I'm just one of those voices. Like the autofocus is just amazing, especially with the eye detection as well. And um, and it's cool because sometimes I would just allow my, my 10-month baby just to roam around the carpet and I'm like, all right. Let's put this test. Here we go. And then while the baby's just roaming around, it's just amazing that every time that she looked up and looked around and whatnot, just to have the eye detection, mm. it was just pretty spot on. And so that in itself is a massive difference compared to the X-T2, mm. um, which is accuracy. And then when I had the X-T1, I mean, that was just, you know, it's galaxies, galaxies ahead. And um, the second feature that really, really stood out to me the most as well is that, you know, when you do go into black and white, um, I love that you could actually kind of work with the sepia and the blues. So then that way you're able to kind of add your own, I don't know, like your own bit of a creative edge to your black and whites too. Mm. And um, yeah, so, so far those two features in particular set out to me. Right. Okay. Uh, Greg, well, what's uh, your impressions on it? Look, I, I love the XT series of, of, you know, from XT1 launch, XT2 launch, and obviously XT3, I picked it up at launch. Um 
I've always been impressed with this camera's capacity to render images, to have fast autofocus. Um, the X-T3 is no exception. I, you know, when I, I mean, I, it's no secret, I love my Fuji Crons, love my F2 23mm, my F2 50mm. They are very zappy, fast autofocus lenses. Mm. And when paired with this camera, it is lightning quick. It is, you know, it is something that I've never experienced in any other camera system that I've used in the, in the past, mm. uh, both professionally or leisurely. Um, they are very, very fast cameras. And, you know, the autofocus, the eye detect, I, I put to the test with my seven-year-old, who is fast growing sick of me taking <laughs> photos of him. Um, I'm running out of models. And the, the eye detect doesn't quite detect the dog just yet. So... But yeah, look, you know that that uh, that eye recognition is is quite zippy. My little boy was uh, dancing side to side, in and out of frame, and it was just grabbing him every time. And I love that because a lot of the photography I do, both in terms of street photography or event photography, is about getting in close and personal with people, and having that extra feature to grab them so much quicker in a natural setting is is wonderful. I also found that. You know, battery life, uh, I think it's significantly improved. Granted, I only use the F2 Fujicrons, and they have small motors to drive autofocus, mm. but I get a huge amount of shots out of those batteries with those little lenses, and, uh, you know, I think I think it's a fantastic performer. Low-light performance, uh, I've put that to some tests recently, and I've been nothing but, but thrilled with it. I went to the uh, night market here at uh, the Queen mm. Victoria Market in Melbourne uh, and stayed till dark, and... You know, bumping up the uh, the ISO and and putting it to its test, it it didn't bat an eyelid. It was amazing. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So that's pretty much um you know two features uh, that that revolve around the autofocus. So that seems like it's the uh, uh, the, the the key. Um, um, commonality here is the autofocus and how vast it's improved since uh, or over the XT2. Uh, Ian, what would you uh, say your your impressions on it would it be similar or, or slightly different? Uh, it'll be similar. The totally agree with the guys that the autofocus really ups the ante with this camera. Mm. In in particular, uh, the the face and the eye detect, as as Charlie has said. Um, I think with the XT2. It was always being compared, uh, I must admit, a little bit unfairly to, to Sony's cameras. And Sony mm. really has yeah. has amazing uh, face and eye detect autofocus. It, it just latches yeah. on and, and it just doesn't let go. And I mm. think the X-T3 really bridged the gap and, and sort of at least brought it close to, if not on, on par with that. And particularly for video as well, uh, you know, the, the having the face detect uh, just grab on and not... Um, with the X-T2 and even with the X-H1, sometimes it, it hunts a little bit. It'll grab on and then mm. when it moves, it'll hunt for a little bit. Just, you know, just a split second, but it, enough to be detectable by the eye. And then and then it'll latch on again. Um, but with the mm-hmm. X-T3, once it, it latches on, it uh, hardly ever lets go, which is really, really good. Also, from, mm. a, from a video perspective, uh, just some of the other uh, enhancements that the X-T3 has introduced, like 10-bit recording, which um, has implications when you grade your image and you try and you know extend the latitude of those colors uh with 8-bit you might get some banding with 10-bit you know you're less likely to get that um and also Mm. just some some additions of uh video specific features like uh having zebra uh on on screen Mm. zebra indicators which uh, even the xh1 doesn't have yet um but Mm. uh well i won't say yet i don't think the xh1 can have it based on what fuji Mm. 
has sort of said of what their processors are capable of with the XH1. Mm. Uh, but with the XT3, the you know the, the processor has been upgraded, the, the sensor has been upgraded, so uh, all these features are now possible with with this with this camera. And 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 the other thing which which I really like about it, which not many people have sort of said, is that um, they haven't really changed the physical external dials and controls of the xt3 compared to the xt2 yeah. so people looking to upgrade from the xt2 and, and and i'd say even from the xt1 won't won't find it an unfamiliar camera to use you know it, it'll feel yeah. familiar instantly in the hand you'll take to it like an old pair of shoes and i think that that's that's only uh, a good thing if you're a fuji user yeah cool. and you know in addition to that as well is that what i love about the xt3 is that they made the compensation dial smaller than the XC2, where on the XC2, sometimes I tend to accidentally budget and then all of a sudden it's a bit, you know, I mess it up a bit. But on the XC3, the fact that they made it a bit smaller, it's a lot less likely that you're able to bump it on accident. Yeah, yeah there's I a agree. Lot be, there's a lot to be said for the aesthetics of the XT series in general. It's always been a really retro, you know, they've modeled the XT10, uh, 20, the XT100s off it. There's a reason mm. for that because it's such a beautiful looking and beautiful formed camera in terms of its design and aesthetics and you know its ergonomics as well in terms of those dials they've all they've often they always listen to consumers around well this gets bumped or the the eye dioptic gets moved so let's make it a lockable well, you know mm-hmm. from the xt1 to the xt2 they went from an eye they went from a um shutter speed and an iso dial that you could bump to ones that you could lock you know, they mm-hmm. always looked at it, amping up the the next level of consumer experience with those with this camera series. It's, it's been mm-hmm. wonderful. And uh, have you guys how have you guys noticed um, or how have you guys found the image quality on the XT3 compared to the XT2 or the XH1? Have you guys seen much of a difference? Is it a little bit better? What do you reckon? Well, for me, um, I think that leads us into our next topic around the frustration of being able to actually see the images uh, in, in a desktop setting. Um, you know, straight out of camera stuff, I would have to say, you know, they're super sharp. They're, you know, they're great images. In terms of, you know, post-processing, being able to get them on a large screen and, and do your work in terms of post-processing has been difficult because we haven't had, for example, Adobe support with Lightroom. Uh, for XT3, it's still not available. Uh, I think only today they've just released the DNG converter for XT3, uh, which is kind of a half measure as far as I'm concerned mm. uh, with that platform. So it's been very difficult to have a really, really good look at your images. But the the JPEGs have been uh, amazing, as they always are out of Fuji cameras. Mm. I think it's probably just only a, a, a matter of time. I mean, it's it's not something that that Fuji can. Uh, it's not something that they can influence. It's it's. I guess it's up to no. each each. Uh, a manufacturer of the raw converters to to bring it up to speed as as quickly as they can. I, I agree, but when you know yeah. you've got a camera that's slated to be possibly a camera of the year in, in the marketplace for its its you know for that range of mirrorless uh, APS-C uh, size sensors, hmm. it's it's more than likely going to be a camera that wins some awards. It's disappointing that for most people the go-to platform it still isn't supporting it some three weeks after release. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and just on that also, I don't think it's uh, it's a fault of Fujifilm. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely not the ones that's uh, you know coming out with these um, support for these softwares. It's it's really on Adobe to play catch up at this point. Uh, they should probably yeah. would have already discussed with Fujifilm, knowing 
that there would be a um, you know a, a launch coming soon, and you know similar to uh, you know the Fuji X photographers getting loan gear. I know they're not supposed to be um, you know sharing any pre uh, pre production uh, files. But um, I think it, that should definitely give Adobe a heads up to say, hey, look, they've actually got these. Let's start yeah. putting a plan in place to, to that once it does go launch, let's try and get this out within a, a short period of time. But, I mean, that's easier said than done. I don't know what's involved in, in uh, making a software read uh, raw files of another mm. uh, brand. So there's mm. a lot of factors involved. But It's a good, that's it's a good point, Joe. And, and to be honest, we've all talked about the familiarity of moving from the xt2 to the xt3 i don't believe that there's that big a jump in terms of the well i assume there's not that big a jump in adobe given their experience and knowledge and history mm. to be able to make that move there's you know it's really really quite confusing why it's taken it's now three weeks and we, we've only had a half measure to rectify the situation so uh, for me as a user it's just disappointing it makes me question my my subscription and yep. what i'm actually paying money for as a, mm. a shooter you know I'm, I'm mostly a hobby shooter but i do some professional work and i would hate to be in the middle of a job and have this sort of thing happen and not be able to actually fulfill my client's requirements because i don't have the software to do it yes yeah and look and, and the thing is uh fiji film sensors has been around for a very long time the x-trans nothing's changed so they, they should have some degree of working knowledge of how to render those uh, th th those files when they're being imported into um, mm. into their platform, so this this makes me question uh, the alternative, which is uh, Capture One Pro. Now, recently they've just announced a collaboration where they've got a dedicated Capture One Pro Fujifilm version or license. Yep. So that makes me question whether they've actually been working closely with Fujifilm, and as a result, are their platform importing the raw files from Fujifilm a lot better than, say, the likes of Adobe. And if that is the case, if the answer is yes, then, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to stick with Adobe, I guess. And uh, recently, Capture One Pro has just announced the perpetual license for yeah. uh, Capture One Pro Fujifilm. And on top of that, they've also thrown in one free upgrade. So when they do release version 12, they're currently on version 11.3. If they do release version 12, you get that free upgrade. Whereas, uh, you know, Adobe's Lightroom Perpetual License back in the days, you're, you're stuck with that one version. And if you want the next one, you have to pay once again another yeah. lump sum. So and I, think, I, think I wonder if that announcement actually had something to do with, you know, the suspicious side of me says, Okay, so Capture One have said we're going to support Fuji. We're going to provide a standalone product uh, just for Fuji shooters. And Adobe have gone, oh, well, there's no hurry for us to do it then. But if they do that, they will be, uh, you know, hurting themselves in terms of sales and subscription-based uh, users and yeah. things like that. I agree, definitely. But either way, they still they're still hurting themselves because we still don't have the product. Yeah. So we so what's out there at the moment? So we, we've got uh, Adobe, obviously, but that's still not yet compatible with um, with uh, XT3 files. And then they've just released the Adobe DNG converter, which you know we've seen a couple of reports that it's still not accurate yeah. um, during the conversion process. And then you've got uh, Capture One Pro Fujifilm. Um, as well as uh, a few other ones that's uh, you know Mac specific, so there there is alternatives out there, and I think uh, we'll, we'll be foolish to say that we're going to be stick with Adobe 
um, all the way through to the end. I think at this time of, um, like, sorry, at, at this day and age, they obviously improve. Just like cameras, they improve over time. So I think we should at least be, you know, open-minded and try some of these on, on a trial basis. So Capture One Pro has got a 30-day trial. And, you know, if, if it works, if you're happy with uh, the quality and things like that, then maybe that, that might be the switch. But, yeah, otherwise, we have no idea when, <laughs> when Adobe's uh, Lightroom is going to support the XT3 files. Yeah, the, the, the issue with, um, I mean, for, for myself, where I primarily use Lightroom, um, is that, uh, and, 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 and I know like a lot of people like, like uh, Rena as well, uh, my wife who, um, who uses Lightroom and Photoshop, you can't just ditch it and say, oh, forget it, I'm just going to move to Capture One because mm. they've, they've yeah. invested a lot of their, their knowledge, their workflow, yeah. uh, yeah. They've, yeah. Got, they've got presets that they use and, and so mm -hmm. forth. Yep. Um, you know, to have to re throw all that away and then start afresh is, is, is quite uh, difficult. Mm. And then also the learning curve as well of learning a whole new yeah. interface. It's exactly. completely different. So, so there is no, it, it, there is hardly any resemblance back to Lightroom. So it, it is almost a whole new platform that people have to wrap their minds around again, relearn the whole platform. Yeah. Uh, and then once again, you know, the whole preset thing, losing all those presets. But the biggest issue that I think has people, um, uh, you know, still holding on to Lightroom is the whole catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've got that history there. You've got that all everything you've ever done. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think I think Light, Lightroom is still by far the most the more superior cataloging solution. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like I'll probably most likely just wait out on Lightroom until they do release you know the function to be able to work work with the XE3, and I think yeah. it's just because you know I'm able you know with Photoshop and Premiere Pro and just all those other programs where I just feel like they're so integrated really well with each other so then that way if you're you know switching off between Photoshop and Lightroom it's just very very fluent as opposed to okay I'm going to go from Photoshop okay I'm going to go from that app to a whole different app and then you got to wait till that loads and I kind of feel like that in itself could possibly mess up the workflow if you are working between the two I agree. I, I guess my biggest concern is that if they went to the effort, the effort to release three weeks after the launch of the XT3 a DNG converter to recognize the XT3 files, how much more effort could it be possibly to uh, have that DNG converter just naturally integrate into Lightroom? Why produce a standalone product? to do what Lightroom has always done for us. Mm. Uh, I just think it's a bit concerning that it feels like there's no real plan. They're just kind of patching at the moment until it comes through. And I feel like a company as big as Adobe in an industry as big as photography should have done better. Agree. Like yeah. feature, yeah. feature film shooters. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's I guess... That's the nature of it all, uh, you know, with all these uh, flagship releases on, on cameras and things like that. Now, I, I guess the next thing I just want to address is, I guess, bugs. Uh, have you guys come across any bugs with uh, the XT3? I, I know there's quite a lot of uh, discussions in the actual Facebook group. Uh, people are still re reporting uh, lockups, even though it has been updated to the latest firmware. So, well, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I personally, I've never come across any uh, lockups myself. I mean, knock on wood. But uh, well, what about you guys? Um, yeah, I'll jump in, Joe. Um, I had only one. I took my camera to the uh, the Queen Vic uh, Hawker 88 market. Amazing night. Perfect street photography opportunity. Took a lot of photos. Um, I was shooting some continuous high stuff in mechanical shutter. Uh, I've got very high high receiving uh, SD cards. There's certainly no issues. Batteries are all full. The battery was full. It wasn't during the shooting itself. It was when I then finished shooting, walked away, then pulled my camera up to shoot something else, and the camera had gone to sleep, and I couldn't make it turn back on. Yes. 
So, and that was in that specific, and that's the only time every other shooting situation I've tried. Granted, a lot of that's been here at home, still putting it through its paces and in what way I could. That was the only time that it really froze up. And I, mm. I tried, you know, I tried, um, I checked that the eye cup wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't anything on the uh, sensor for the eye cup. Mm. Um, I turned it on, turned it off. I ended up having to just pop the battery, pop it back in. It was fine. Yeah, and I, so, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't. I was maybe a little bit surprised, but then again, it's a brand new camera, and we all know. I think the, the thing that the thing that sort of made me go, ah, whatever, is that I know about Fujifilm's Kaizen, about their mm. their future firmware. We've all seen it happen with past cameras. You know, only recently they were updating our first generation Fujifilm lenses with firmware updates, like. We know that this sort of stuff gets ironed out, so I wasn't overly worried. Not too much to add, but just to say, I've experienced the same exact thing. Is that you know sometimes I would turn it on and it wouldn't turn on, and then after turning on and off a couple times, sometimes it does turn on that way, but other times you know I got to pop out the battery and put it back in. But that's the only, I suppose, the frustration about it is that sometimes I do miss opportunities while I'm out and about trying to photograph something, and then it just would not turn on. So you know I made sure that you know I got the authentic battery. Um, the SD cards are all set, you know, functions, you know, no, nothing's messing with the sensor whatsoever. But yeah, I'm with Greg. It's probably the only thing. What 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 what, what SD cards are you guys using, Charlie? Uh, I'm using SanDisk. I'm using SanDisk. Yeah, same. And then... Yeah. 64 gig, I've got two cards in. I go with a backup um, using the two cards. So I go equal. But oh, I actually, originally uh, with the X-T3, I've gone JPEG and uh, RAW. Only because mm. we didn't have a raw converter for the XT3, so I was a bit mm. able to. Usually, I go backup raw raw. I'm not sure what the black cards are. I can't remember. Extreme Plus, Extreme Pro, yeah, Extreme Pro. The black cards, 64 gig a piece. I've never had an issue with XT1 or XT2, and this was the only time I ever had an issue. I wasn't worried. You know, seriously, five seconds, pop the battery, pop it back in. It was ready to go. Mm. Just, just wondering, did both of you guys have your camera set on boost mode? Yes. Okay, so no, I, I've never turned on my boost mode, and I've never experienced any of these lockups. So I'm wondering whether this boost mode will have anything to do with with, yeah, with the lockups, because I know you know they they do allow you to put on the boost mode without the battery grip and stuff, and yeah. you know, uh, naturally yeah. everyone would uh, would actually want to start leaving it on boost mode. Yeah. Um, but for me, I found that when I had my uh, third party uh, generic batteries in there uh on boost mode you, you actually get the little indicator saying that um this you know this may drain a lot quicker than yeah it goes a different color doesn't it on the it battery goes to, yeah it goes to a yellow color and mm. when i say it drains it really does drain so yeah. on on boost mode on my wasabis uh they not not even an hour and and it'll start to like go drop down oh, to about yeah. one bar from yeah. full wow. bar down down to one yeah. so um i'm just, I'm just wondering yeah just, whether that yeah wow so yeah, Joe, was XT2, that? I used a, I used a, a, the the boost grip as it was called originally on the XT2 with all original batteries. I never had a lockup issue, um, and this is the like I said the only time on the XT3 was mm. shooting continuous high, and I just when it just went into sleep mode and come back on. That was it. So the, the reason why I'm I'm just questioning the uh, the boost mode is that um, you know on the XT2. Uh, even though you can turn boost mode on, uh, your, your your power performance and you know how you say yeah you know automatically sleep after two minutes or something along those lines. Um, my understanding with boost mode uh, on the XC2 was that uh, the turning on and off was a lot quicker when the boost mode's enabled. So yeah. instead of going through a full 
almost like a boot up. Like sometimes it's like, you know, maybe two sec- maybe a second or something like that. So my understanding was that the boot one allows you to turn on and off very quickly. So once you turn it on, you're ready to start snapping um, as opposed to if you had on normal mode. I think when you turn it on, there's still maybe a little slight, slight delay and not probably not even noticeable, but maybe maybe half a second or something um, during the boot up. That was my understanding of the boost mode. So I'm thinking if that works the same way in the XE3, uh, you know, could that be impacting something with the whole sleep mode as well? So yeah, boost yeah. mode on and the sleep mode, you know, is that causing something? It's worth, I mean, in uh, experimenting. So like I was saying, I've just been shooting in normal mode. Uh, I've never had the need to actually put into boost, and since then I've never experienced any lockups. So I, I may probably try and put it on boost mode and do a couple of shoots and see if that actually locks locks up. And if it does, then that you know we're, we're one step closer um, to, to that theory. Mm. All right. Well, uh, I, I guess uh, to kind of finish off the uh, the segments uh, recommendations. Um, I know a lot of people, and there's a lot of discussions about, you know, should I upgrade? Uh, should I keep the XT2? It, it, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because it's sure it, it is. depends on the individual and, and the circumstances, doesn't it? Right. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, for for, for you, Greg, I know you recently, uh, you know, went from the XT2 to the XT3. So what what made you uh, pick up the XT3? Um, look, it wasn't an easy decision because financially, it's not something that I could easily achieve. Mm-hmm. just without thinking about it. However, I had had the X-T2 since launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had taken it on three overseas trips mm-hmm. uh, and shot probably around 50,000 images with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved my X- I loved my X-T2. It was, you know, and I remember even saying to people, no, nah, there's no need to upgrade. I love this camera. It's perfect. What, what more could they possibly do? Mm. Boy, was I wrong. You know, I'm a street mm. photographer, I shoot events, I shoot kids, uh, I need a snappy autofocus. Uh, and the X-T2 was absolutely brilliant, especially can, uh, when when paired with the F2 Fujicrons that I love, and the 23, the 35, and the 50, for those who don't know what I'm referring to. Um, but this just took it to the next level. It, it You know, I chasing my son around the house, or even my, my adult kids, uh, or my pets for a shot. You know, they're all fast moving. Most of them don't want to be photographed. Uh, and I was pulling out images with the X-T3 with a with a you know an F2 Fujicron that were crystal clear and sharp in in movement, um, even with without going into high shutter speeds and, uh, and in indoor situations and darker situations. And it just it just meant for me that I was able to attain more of the sort of images that I love to capture. Um, more often than miscaptures, you know, and then I, I and then I projected out a little bit and thought, well, look, you know, this is a brand new sensor. They had the last sensor for what, probably about three years. Mm. The, the the version three sensor. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth version. Same, uh, sorry, with the processor. Same with the sensor. You know, I can see this camera lasting me for two to three years now. Famous last words, of course. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just I just felt like this. You know, this. A lot of people talked about the X-H1 being the flagship, and I personally don't see it because X-T2 and originally the X-Pro were considered the flagship models. Mm. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on with the X-Pro future-wise, but we know where, mm. the X-T2, where the X-T series is heading, and I see nothing but good things. So yeah. I'm happy to stick with this line. I think it is probably the best uh, Fujifilm camera that I could possibly use. Yep, um, yep. And it suits my needs. And look, you know, it's it, so far it hasn't let me down. 
Yeah, I just want to add just something real quick um, that uh, you know that that I learnt uh, while attending the Fuji X3 launch. Uh, one of the, the the workshops presentations that that I sat in. I just want to reiterate. I think this is something that a lot of people kind of uh, either either forget or not aware of. When Fujifilm set out to release the X series, their their mission or goal was to deliver a full frame equivalent image quality in a compact body. That was their their, their goal. So. Uh, to, to achieve that, they basically, you know, went through a lot of R&R, um, or sorry, R&D, and they, uh, you know, firmware updates, they constantly improved it. They came out with specific uh, specialized lenses um, to kind of help deliver that image quality uh, equivalent to full frame. So that's their mission. So it's important that we don't then say, oh, well, you know, it, it, the image quality or, or the, you know, the depth of field will never be equal to, to a full frame. It's the image quality I'm referring to. So, yes, a full frame will always uh, beat out the APS-C when it comes to, you know, um, your depth of fields and things like that. But it's the image quality. So they they believe that with the X-T3 or even some of the earlier ones, you know, X-T2 yeah, even, that they've achieved that now. So they've managed to achieve full-frame image quality in a compact APS-C body and sensor size. So that is why there was no need or there is no um, sense in going into full-frame. So therefore, if they've, once they've already got a camera, a compact camera that is already delivering full-frame quality um, image quality, the next best thing is medium format. Why release another full frame uh, mirrorless camera when the APS-C is already delivering image quality that rivals a full frame? So therefore, yeah. they went straight to the medium format. So that's something that I think a lot of people either um, don't realize um, because you still see people asking, oh, when are you going to release full frame? When are you going to release full frame? And with that said, I don't think they'll ever release a full frame. I mean, it doesn't make sense to you if they've already got the, um, you know, cameras that are already delivering image quality of a full frame. So that's just something that I found, you know, very interesting. And I think uh, a lot of us lose sight of, especially with all these competitors now uh, coming into the market, uh, mirrorless market with their own full frames. So Sony, uh, Canon, and Nikon now all have full frame mirrorless. And once again, they're always going to compare that with the X-T3. Um, and, and, and I just don't think it's a, a fair comparison. And Ian touched on this earlier about the autofocus of the Sony and how uh, the XT2 uh, was constantly being compared and criticized of being lacking. Um, you have to compare your XT3 with the XT2. Is it a vast improvement? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, is it worth the upgrade for someone who's doing fast uh, action or sports photography? Definitely worth it because you have to compare the X-T2 with the X-T3. Not the X-T3 with the likes of a Sony um, because that just doesn't make sense. They're, they're always yeah. going to be up there in regards to their um, autofocus. So you're you're buying another Fuji camera. You're not buying a Sony. So what's the point of really trying to compare it? So that's just something that I think everyone needs to be mindful of. Um you know, with all these uh, discussions about comparisons yeah. and things like that, um, not to lose sight of that, hey, um, Fujifilm has actually achieved something that um, no one thought possible, and that is delivering image yeah. quality of a full frame. Now, I know this may probably uh, spark up some debates, and that's great because I wanted to. So please, uh, you know, share your thoughts, uh, leave a comment in the Fujifilm group, uh, or even just use Anchor, send us through a voice message and uh, give us your thoughts 
But, uh, yeah, so I think uh, we'll probably finish off at that. Um, uh, thanks again, guys, for joining in. Uh, and uh, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We do apologize for the uh, late submission of the podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have uh, Ian and Greg join us for the next episode. Until then, stay cool. Cheers. If you're looking for an active, friendly Fujifilm community in Australia, check us out on Facebook at FujiXOz. You can also visit our website at fujixaus.com.au. That's one word, F-U-J-I-X-A-U-S.com.au. There you'll find information about us, upcoming events, helpful and entertaining articles, behind-the-scenes videos, and exclusive discounts for our members. So do yourself a favor and visit fujixaus.com.au now.